You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Uh, so, I, good news, bad news scenario, uh, Sixers fans. It's the Outside Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I am Adil Royster, your host, Chill Ride, Chill Vibes as always. And yeah, good news. The Sixers clinched a uh, spot in the playoffs. They're the four seed. Would have liked to have been the two seed or the three seed or even the one seed. But we're the four seed. That's the good news. Bad news is, you know, uh, who we have to play is the five seed. Because it's the um, the Toronto Raptors. The dang-blasted Toronto Raptors. If you can't tell, I'm a little bit upset about this or a little bit worried or both. And uh, I, I, like some of you, I'm still not completely over the Eastern Conference semis loss to the Toronto Raptors a few years ago. And I'm going through a little PTSD right now. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little shell-shocked. I'm a little uh, perturbed and concerned. So as I am usually feeling these feelings, I enlist the help of one Dave Early to uh, help me process all of these feelings, all of these emotions all of these thoughts and worries, if you will. So Dave, uh, I, I, I'm on the couch and I am, I'm sitting here anxiously awaiting for you to help me feel better about this series. I'm honored you turned to me in this spot. I actually once, I actually considered becoming a uh, clinical psychologist at one point. Oh, so good. Perfect. Ho- hopefully I can uh, put those skills that I never ended up using to, uh, to good use here. So I, I'm going to list my concerns in, in varying degrees. And we'll, we'll start off here because it's the most recent piece of news that came out. Uh, Matisse Thibel, his vaccination status is that he is one shot in on a two shot vaccine. I am not going to tell anybody how they should be living their lives medically or otherwise, but This is a worry for me, especially when you consider that last night or the last time that these Sixers played the Raptors, it was the it was the Gary Trent show, 30 points off five of eight shooting. This game was in Toronto and it would have been nice to have a nice six foot five, six foot six, all NBA second team defender uh putting a stop to that nonsense so that's uh, that's my that's my first little uh concern uh, also i should also point out that uh precious ashua was also five of seven from three to go along with gary Trent's five of eight um yeah that's that's 
my first big concern going into the series, the, the two games in Toronto. What, I, can, can you help me feel any better about that part, Dave? Yeah, I mean, the, the part you can feel better about is that at least Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi will be in the lineup next time. Oh, that's, oh, that's oh, wait, promising. That's why I didn't become that psychologist, I guess. Ah. <laughs> I, took, I took you the other way. Um, <laughs> yeah, so now, now Matisse won't be guarding FVV, won't be guarding. It, it has a trickle-down effect where now they're going to be uh, scrambling to defend the perimeter, and it's going to be very tough for them. And didn't we have this problem going into the Atlanta series when Danny Green was hurt last year, they were kind of scrambling to put the right defenders around some of these wings. Yeah, Danny Green, I believe, came in healthy, and they decided to put him on Trey Young in the first quarter, and that was the greatest thing that ever happened to Trey Young. Yeah. Um, and then he got a calf strain, like a soft uh, tissue thing. And it's the greatest thing. It's the greatest thing to Trey Young's career, aside from playing the Knicks. That's about it. Yeah, his it's, bowing at midcourt in yes. Madison Square Garden, and then uh, getting to basically own Philadelphia as well. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's not. It's not ideal. They're going to need Danny, who will be filling in for Matisse, to turn back the clock a little bit. I don't expect him to be able to turn back the clock much defensively because we kind of feel he is what he is there, if he could stay healthy. Um, so you're going to need him to rain threes like he was doing the last time they played. Right. I, I do appreciate Danny Green's offensive output when Precious Ashua and uh, Gary Trent Jr. were lighting it up. Danny Green was 6-7 from three and in that game for 18 points. But... I agree. There's going to have to be some uh, uh, some some chambering, uh, some maybe going over to Germany for for some uh, for some <laughs> blood spinning. Anything? I, I'm open to any ideas that are legal. Legal Dear hologram. <laughs> anything? Anything legal under the rules and regulations set forth by the national basketball association what's I, what's bernard hopkins program could we get all the sixers on that i'm down i'm completely i'm completely interested in that like because bernard hopkins is like what in his seven, he's in his 70s uh turning 25 yeah he looks he looks like he could fight in his prime at any moment so <laughs> I'm sorry, Bernard Hopkins could go into the MMA right now and probably win the light middleweight championship. I'm pretty sure he could do that right now. He, he could take on Deron Williams and Frank Gore at the same time. Totally down with that. A thousand percent. Um, here's, my, here's another concern that I have of mine. And again, this is going in varying degrees of worry. James Harden, something, something's, not, something's not right here. Something's not good. He was three of twelve in that game against Toronto on April seventh. I don't know what is happening. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if he's struggling to find his offensive groove. But I was listening to, I think it was either First Take or it was First Things First or some one of those shows, and they finally said something that I agree with, which is we don't need James Harden to be thirteen point fifteen assist James Harden. Right now it's playoff time, James. I need I need 38 and 10, James Harden. I need 42 and 
seven, James Harden. I need you to be more aggressive in getting yours. That is, that is another serious worry that I have going in. I don't know what it's going to take, but James has to, do, James has to get back into scoring 35, 40 points a game. Yeah, I think if you, if you told me that the Sixers won the championship, my first thought would be, okay, how do I explain this? James Harden must have been – I guess we would end up saying that he was reserving himself for the playoff run, and he was actually healthy all along. And he, you know, he abandoned the whole, I'm really just a playmaker. I'm shooting these four for 11 games, these three for 13 games. You know, I'm making up my line by going eight of 10 from the free throw line and 12 assists. No, no, no. If you want to win the title, you're going to need him to be much more of a scorer than he's been. Zach Lowe recently on Friday wrote like he's broken as a scorer. And after watching him, just have no shot to score on Precious Achiwa on a switch. It, it feels like an almost fair thing to say. I mean, maybe it's a little harsh. He's not broken. His numbers, his splits when Embiid is off the court are pretty good. I haven't looked exactly at the film on that, but you know, he's, he's averaging almost t- twice as many points when Embiid is on the bench as he is when he's on. So it brings up the question, like, do you want – to pair him with Joel Embiid and see how many total pick and rolls can I get those two t- to run in one single game. That's my right. number one goal is Harden and Embiid pick and rolls all game long. I'll get them the rest, but I just want to increase that number. Then maybe that's the way Doc Rivers goes. Bench be damned. I know I'm going to get torched when they both sit. Um, maybe he feels Maxi, Tobias, Danny Green can salvage things. He did leave all four other starters out there. He, he put in Paul Reed. Thank with God. Four, with the four starters, and that's Green in for T. Seibel when they last played Toronto. So the last time they played in a must-win game, they looked like it's something that they might consider is just leaving, all, leaving out the horses for when Embiid sits. Maybe they'll do that. I'm not sure um, because the alternative is – you rest Joel Embiid, you leave James out there, and that allows James to get cooking a little bit. Um, I kind of err towards that. I, I'd rather see them do something to get James going as a scorer because I believe in sort of, you know, if you see the ball going four or five times, you get encouraged, and then Joel comes back in the game, and maybe you still have a little bit of that scorer's mindset. You don't revert right back to I'm a point guard now. I think that could be good for him and good for this team overall. Also, right. I, I'm just scared of the minutes when both of them are off. Totally scared of that. So I would stagger those two for sure. Uh, I, I would not be doing my job as a responsible journalist without pointing out yet again that this is yet again another concern going into the playoffs, and that is the, the bench. The, the bench minutes, I'm uh, – at least – at least George Niang has been consistent. Shake Milton is starting to look good. He had a very decent game against the Detroit Pistons to close out the season. I don't know what the heck is going on with Furkan Korkmaz anymore. Thank God that we're not seeing any more Paul Millsap minutes right now. But we're getting those DeAndre Jordan minutes, and those have not been great over the last week and a half, two weeks. You look at the Raptors. And uh, yeah, they didn't have they didn't have a uh, Van Vliet, but they're going to have him for the playoffs. So that means that 
you know, Garrett Trent Jr. is going to be coming off the bench with Thad Young and Chris Boucher and Malachi Flynn. Like, the Raptors bench is a little bit more potent and there aren't nearly as many questions. Am I not, am I seeing that incorrectly somehow? No, I think, uh, I think you're right. They're, they're a much better coach team. They're a more cohesive unit. By I'm far. getting to that. I'm getting to coaching. I'm getting there. <laughs> Trust me. I'm getting there. Um, so I won't, I won't jump the gun on that conversation, but they're, they're a very, very cohesive unit top to bottom. They don't have the same type of wild splits that the Sixers have in terms of their starters versus their bench. Right. Uh, and they integrate well. They, they're sort of seamless with their rotations. It, it must be nice to have a head coach that uh, knows how to manage the rotations for maximum efficacy. I, I can't imagine what that's like. <laughs> uh, it, ne- next concern, and this, this, is the, this is my second most important concern, uh, I don't know how to break it to anybody, all the Sixers fans, but Toronto is three and one against the Sixers this year, and two and zero oh at the crib in Wells Fargo. They are not afraid to come down here and play in front of these fans and in front of this Sixers group. I find that to be wildly, wildly, moderately problematic. There's there's that sense that like. You can go into somebody's arena and you can put a whooping on them. That scares the hell out of me. Yeah, I mean, the Sixers were only seven games above 500 at home this year, 24 and 17. Um, They got to pick that number up a little bit down the stretch with some easier games. But they gave you plenty of reason to be concerned with them as a home team compared to years past when they were like, the Sixers and the Utah Jazz have the best home court advantage in the NBA. Dominant at home. Dominant at home. Um, and that's certainly not the case this year. Now, you know, they didn't have Ben Simmons. They only had James Harden for, I think, 21 games or whatever it is. So it makes some sense that they were shorthanded in a lot of those home games. But still, then they got everyone healthy, and they lost a bunch of very, very important home games. Denver, Milwaukee, a couple to Toronto. And you're like, man. So that just something's not clicking here. And if you're if you're the Raptors, you know you have the the Sixers number pretty much this season. You're three and one against them. The mystique of the Sixers as a home team being this dominant. If that's not there, put yourself in the shoes of like a Raptors player. Like, what does that do for you going into a series like this? It's emboldening. I mean. I know Nick Nurse is going to be watching game film of that game where the Sixers, that now absolutely vital game that the Sixers lost to Detroit Pistons. Unbelievable. Who are are hoping for the number one pick in the draft right now. And, and James Harden, you know, couldn't beat these switches that he kept trying to attack and he couldn't. And he had an even harder time on precious in the last game. So I would feel good about that. If I were Nick Nurse, I'd be showing them that. And I'd say, look, we're going to switch these plays he's going to try to beat you and look what you did to him. He can't, and that's going to happen. And you're going to take their fans right out of this game in the first quarter by doing stuff like that. Um, Uh, As long as we don't foul too much. uh, This is my number one concern. It's been my number one concern about the team for almost a month now. And it's, there's no easy way to say it. There's no nice way to say it. So I'm just going to come out with it. 
the idea that Doc Rivers is absolutely 100% unequivocally going to get his lunch money stolen by Nick Nurse in four out of seven games or however long the series goes. Um, how, how much of a concern is Doc for you at this point? Because he has not had a good last two and a half, three weeks of the season. It's not been great, Doc. Well, you know my opinions on this. I, I was on red alert when he was even a candidate for the Sixers. Yes. It's just There were so many red flags in terms of the way he flamed out of the bubble. You know, 3-1 lead, multiple du- double-digit losses, and, you know, doing things that nerds on Twitter were saying you should not do, which is overplaying his backup center, foreshadowing anyone, and then... <laughs> The worst of all to me, the biggest red flag of the whole thing was that reports were that in his exit interviews with Steve Ballmer, he was defending the way he coached. So, he, you know, he didn't even have the, uh, the he had the chance to reassess and say, yeah, that, you put that on my shoulders. I've been coaching in this league for a long time. I've made plenty of mistakes. This was one. And he didn't. He, sort of doubled, <laughs> he doubled down. down. Said, he said, I, and then we've seen him double down in a similar fashion with Dwight Howard. You know, you, you look back and you parse through lots of Daryl Morey's quotes over the course of the last two seasons now, and it's like, well, Doc has the ability, he has Dwight Howard as a tool, he has the ability to get really creative and experimental with shooters, didn't see that happen. Said it's st- something similar at the buyout deadline, signs Anthony Tolliver for some of that experimentation a year ago <laughs> to the day, and Doc did not want to use Tolliver much. He said, like, what do you want me to do, bench Tobias? Uh, fast forward, we're still seeing it. And he was speaking in post game yesterday. I'm sure you're going to want to talk about this too. Oh yeah, that's coming. That was my next point. Yeah. Just, you know, talking about like, here's why I do things the way I always do them. And here's how we're probably going to do them. Um, And it's frustrating because these are, these are issues that have come with him for years now. They're not new to Philly. Now what Dave is referring to is an exchange that's been going around the tweets uh, between uh, Glenn Rivers and Derek Bodner. Um, Bodner asked him a question as far as, like, why not play Paul Reed more? And Doc's defense was pretty much, and I'm simplifying this, we like to play DeAndre against big fives, which, okay, fine. But um, DeAndre's been getting his lunch money taken. I, I use that phrase a lot because it's true, and it's easy. And also, against Detroit, just not a whole lot of effort there. And I'll be the first to say it. This has happened to me. I've seen other coaches do this. If somebody has bad body language or you feel they're not putting the effort in, you got to nip that in the bud, veteran, rookie or not, put that guy on the bench and give those minutes to somebody that is more athletic, more energetic, somebody that can do way more on the offensive end. And this is, Dave, thank God I'm not in on these on these press conferences because my response to, to Doc would have been such. Doc, okay, I get that you want to play DeAndre against these big fives, but DeAndre has also been incredibly ineffective the last three weeks. And you have Paul Reed, somebody that, yes, he will get into foul trouble, but on the flip side, he will also get those Big fives, as you say, into foul trouble as well because of what he can do on the offensive end, which makes things easier for your scoring champion MVP candidate, big man. 
those things can swing a game. Am I not? Am I wrong, Doc? I'm sorry. Just like correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, his point was weird. I mean, besides, if you can put aside for a moment the condescension, that he yeah, yeah. To not just reporters but fans, essentially. Yeah. Um, if you can put that aside, you realize like it was also pretty inaccurate. Like he doesn't play Paul Reed, even when he doesn't. Right. So what does he mean? We always play DeAndre when there's a big. And we play Paul when there's a small because that's clearly not the case. And if Paul Reed heard that, he must have wanted to be like, wait, what? <laughs> Where are my opportunities when we, we just played Charlotte? They're not the biggest team. Right. On court when Plumley sits. Um, I could have helped you in that game. And it was, you know, you go DJ. And then sometimes when you want to play smaller, you go Millsap. So factually, it wasn't true. If you wanted to give Doc the benefit of the doubt, maybe you'd say, he wanted to play DJ all the time. He's slowly realizing it's not right, but rather than admit he's wrong, he was wrong to not play Reed more. He took this position, which maybe sort of allows him to defend DeAndre and say DeAndre is better for X, Y, and Z, which is now irrelevant because the Toronto's are a very small team and he is going to play Reed. So just going to say, who, who knows? Like maybe he has some 3D chess move. And he just didn't need to heap on all of the patronizing. Um, but there was some sort of method to his madness if we wanted to be generous. So against this Toronto team, like you said, they are very small. They don't have one player taller than 6'9". Uh, Scotty Barnes is 6'9", Siakam 6'9", even Kim Birch is 6'9", Precious is 6'8". Uh, da, here's, here's your out. None of us, not one person, Sixers fan, Sixers writer, anything like that. Based on what you said, based on what you said yesterday, there's no reason to play DeAndre Jordan in this series, period. Okay? I don't, I don't care what De- – I don't care DeAndre's a veteran, Paul Reed, whatever. I don't care. You said against smaller lineups, we play Paul Reed. If that's true – I better not see DeAndre Jordan for one minute in the series. He's, he's going to say, well, I did say Paul. And so you're getting Millsap. <laughs> no, 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 no. Paul Reed, B-ball Paul. I better not see DeAndre Jordan or B-ball Paul. Uh, I better not see DeAndre Jordan or Paul Millsap for one single solitary minute. Or, yeah, I am going to light you the heck up as much as I can in, uh, in writing because nobody wants me in these press conferences. Just trust me. No, none of y'all want that. None of y'all want that smoke. We should talk to the other Paul Hudrick and get you a pass to get to one of these. No, 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 no. I do not want to get the site in trouble. I absolutely do not. Um, Let's, let's take a little break and uh, pay some of the sponsors and uh, we'll be right back on the Liberty Ballers podcast network. This is the out of sight podcast. Back in a second with some, uh, some some little news nuggets that came down the pipe this week, and we're going to get Dave's thoughts on them, so back in a second. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Adidas. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is the Outside Podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I am your host, Adil Royster. I'm here with Dave Early. And uh, I was just on the couch talking about this uh, Toronto Raptors series. Feel a little bit better. I can I can breathe a little bit. Fine. Well, well done by you, David. Um, Thank you. This week, uh, Frank Vogel, let's start here. Frank Vogel is out as Lakers head coach. Um if he's finding out through this podcast, then that's fantastic for us because <laughs> apparently, allegedly, no one told him about this. So that's just that's just the cost of doing business when you have LeBron James on your team. There has been it, some... it, I feel like Woj should have tweeted, and he won't know until he reads this that it's happening. right. Um, Doc Rivers has been a name floating around the Lakers job, which is which is weird because one, he's under contract and two, uh, Frank Vogel does not know that he's fired yet. I mean, he might by now, by the time this podcast is out, but he follows Woj on Twitter, but, uh, Vogel out as Lakers head coach, uh, seems very scapegoaty. Um, sorry. I'm just going to put it out there. When you have LeBron James, you give up any right to be a decision maker. And that kind of sucks. If you have to, Bring in somebody like, oh, I don't know, Russell Westbrook, who is a kind of net negative and makes no sense to the fit. But uh, yeah, that's what the Lakers did. And it sucks that Vogel was the uh, was the odd man out. Just, what do you think about Vogel's alleged firing that we have that we may or may not be able to confirm just yet? Yeah, I, I think you, uh, you use the right word. I think scapegoat works. Uh, he won them a title in the bubble. He's a good coach. He did not make the decision to trade for Russell Westbrook, and he was dead in the water once the front office slash LeBron signed off on that decision, and it obviously cost him. And uh, what can he do? I mean, that's wild to me. That's the wildest part about all this. Like he won them a title, what two years ago? Real two years. That's the that's the going rate for an NBA head coach now. Two years. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah, didn't buy him much of a window. I did that. I guess not. Um, I but it's but it's the Lakers. You don't have to. It be is the Lakers. A functional fr- franchise to continue to contend. You're just gonna. You can always lure the next crop of superstars who want to be the next Laker. So yeah, I, I suppose. Do what they want. Like, what's the what's that next crop going to be this this offseason? Like, well, Donovan I, Mitchell Donovan Mitchell wants out, so you could trade Anthony Davis and in, in, for a third team and bring him in, and everyone's happy. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to see how LeBron and Donovan Mitchell fit. I'm not sure. I'm quite, uh, well. They would have well. Westbrook would have to be moved elsewhere. I, there's no way you can bring Westbrook back. No I'm way. Just, I'm just saying you don't want to bet against the Lakers' stock long term. They're they're often only in the mud for a short time. I guess that's a pretty accurate statement because, you know, the the year or two after Kobe, but before LeBron, 
that that didn't last very long. Like they got LeBron and they were right back into the thick of it. Even that weird year where LeBron was out for most of the year, it was just like, well, they got LeBron coming back next year, so we know they're going to be in it when he comes back. When he comes back, it's funny. Cleveland was the losingest team in the NBA over a four-year stretch, and LeBron went to Cleveland from Miami. And over a five-year stretch, the Lakers were the most losingest team uh, over a five-year period, and LeBron went there. So you don't have to, you know, show that you're a great spirited non-tanking culture you can be a complete barn and still you're going to lure the top free agents occasionally if the lakers want doc rivers by all means make us an offer give draft picks whatever don't really yeah i shared i shared bill plasky i think la times saying like doc rivers would can fix this and i was like okay i hope hope sure Yeah, if you really believe that, William Sixers fans, <laughs> take it from us. Uh, we will give we will give Doc a nice recommendation letter and send him on his way to Los Angeles. And honestly, uh, now now that I'm thinking about this, like Frank Vogel on the Sixers bench next year, I'm not totally against it, but at the same time, like, can we please, please give? I don't. I can't remember where he is. I think you've referenced this last podcast. I can't remember where the hell Mike D'Antoni is, but can we please call him in here? Yeah, I mean, if you have if you have Daryl Moore in your front office, you want some of what he provides a basketball team in the season, other than transactions, right? Yes. So some of that is like you know, you absolutely know that he's got algorithms and probabilities talking about not to overbench a player in foul trouble. So it's okay. like. It's like knowing you have the most analytically savvy football team in the NFL and then watching the head coach punt on fourth and one at the other team's 25. This, and you're like, this is mind-boggling to me. It's like, Doc, Daryl is giving you so much information and you're literally just using it for like what a toilet paper. Like there's a somehow, reason he does this. Somehow, like, Tyrese Maxey played 29 minutes in a must-win game against the Cavs. He had three fouls. If they had just played him as if he weren't even in foul trouble, he, he could have gotten upwards of 35 minutes. So uh, I, I know that the team on the front office level knows this stuff. They've probably read thousands of papers from Sloan kids saying, look, you don't have to overly bench a guy. Right. They, used to, they used to delay deploying Ben Simmons as a defender on a guy in the first quarter worrying about foul trouble. That wasn't a good decision either. They should have just right. put Ben on the guy from the jump. Um, so these things that you know that Maury would pr- make good recommendations for the Sixers not doing, and it sort of gives the whole team a bad look. Doc was talking about in that post game, like me and my coaching staff have seen it all, and I'm starting to think, like, wait, does Dave Yeager prefer to see DeAndre Jordan in all situations and not want to experiment even with Millsap or Reed? Does I call I call BS on that. Does Sam Cassell feel the same way? Does Daryl Morey sign off on this also? He signed Charles Bassey and Paul Reed. Does he really not want to see them get a shot? Yeah. It just feels like everyone's getting a bad rap from this whole weird decision, non-experimentation stuff we've been seeing for the last two seasons. Doc is using the royal we with that coaching staff. Meanwhile, if I'm on that coaching staff and I'm just I'm one of the people that's like, you know what, I I like all this information. I hear that from Doc and I'm like, whoa, 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 big fella. Uh 
don't try to throw me under the bus because you're getting lit up by the by fans, writers, and your boss. Okay, that's what I that's what I thought as soon as he said it. I was like, does everyone agree that they're yeah. fine with this? Because I doubt it. I, I'm pretty sure that Dave Yeager and Sam Cassell are both like, yo, don't don't be putting my business, don't be putting me out there like that. Like, no, that's not how this right. works. Uh, lastly, Joel Embiid wins the scoring title, and we'll just get the question right out of the way, and we'll just do it. Joel Embiid MVP? Yes? No? Just give him the damn MVP. What are we doing? Give him the damn MVP. What are we even talking about? What are we doing? He has the exact same record as the Milwaukee Bucks. The Sixers have the same record as the Bucks. We saw like 4,500 Middleton and Drew Holiday minutes this season. Those two won the final four and brought the Bucks to the NBA finals without Giannis for the last two games of the season. They're ballers. If you give yeah. those two to Joel Embiid all season long, all due respect to Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris. But as a duo, I mean, James Harden has only been here 21 games. I feel like Joel has the MVP nod over Giannis for that reason alone. And then with Jokic, it's like Joel Embiid is very close to him as an offensive player. He's not very, very far back, but he's very far ahead as a defensive player. Yes. Uh, just, just looking at Kevin O'Connor's all defensive team, and I see Joel on his second team. That gets overlooked when we talk about M- Embiid's MVP candidacy. If you and I were drafting an all defense. Wait, Embiid was second? Oh, NBA second? Who did Kevin O'Connor have as number one as NBA had, first team? I believe he had Gobert, Giannis, Mark right. Smart, Mikhail Bridges. I forget the, I forget okay. the last one. All right. I, I guess I uh, can't argue. I guess I can't argue Gobert. I guess not. Joel Embiid had a monster offensive workload. He led the league in scoring, so it makes sense. Like, if his only goal was to be the defensive player of the year, I believe he could have done it. Yes. You know, if this team had Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum on it, um, that that for sure could have been his focus and he could have won it. But it gets overlooked that if you and I, if all these GMs in the league were drafting an all-defensive team for the upcoming playoffs – Embiid's floor in a little draft would be like fifth, right? Yeah. So uh, that, that's valuable. It's very valuable. This is going to be a fun playoff uh, run. And I, I say it's going to be incredibly fun because of this reason, right? So the Sixers in round one, they get the Raptors. In round two, Maybe they get Miami. Maybe they get Brooklyn. Maybe even they get Atlanta uh, in round two. And then in the Eastern Finals, you're looking at maybe Milwaukee, maybe Boston. This sets up to be a really nice revenge tour if things shake out the way we we would like them to. Toronto and then Miami and then maybe Milwaukee, the series that we've been asking for for like six years. Yeah, everything is either going to be sweetest, sweetest revenge possible or complete torment. Like losing to Jimmy Butler in the heat would be tragic. Losing to the Boston Celtics with Jason Tatum, who they could have drafted, and Al Horford, who they overpaid. Oh, God. The storylines are there for all of these. And then, you know, Milwaukee, like we just we don't have revenge against them per se. It's just the simple fact that it, it these two teams should have been on a collision course for like several years now. And just things kept getting in the way, like, you know, Trey Young or Kawhi Leonard. Just no, like 
Everybody just yeah. get out of the way so we can have this thing. The Milwaukee Bucks were kind of like the, the Pete Sampras. You know how Pete Sampras wasn't the flashiest tennis player, but he made yes. less mistakes. Less mistakes. The, the Bucks could beat the Sixers because in between Sam Hankey and Daryl Morey, the Sixers just made a lot of self-inflicted errors on an organizational and roster level that are still coming back to bite them. You know, Daryl Morey's going to have, he's already had to deal with the Al Horford contract, cost him a pick, and he's going to have to deal perhaps with the Tobias Harris contract. Yeah. He's dealing with the Doc Rivers signing. So all this stuff that happened before he got here could, could limit the Sixers in a key series. It already has perhaps cost them a second seed because they have all these you know, 15-point leads that they lost. Just, Only the Knicks have lost more of those. Just blowing 15-point leads. Jesus. Yeah, so they've got some obstacles, self-inflicted wounds uh, over the you know few years before Maury got here. And uh, they'll have a chance to win a title. But if they don't, it's going to hurt. <laughs> it's going to hurt so bad. And I'll, we'll, I'll probably be back on the couch within like another couple of days or, or like another week or two. But uh, just just have just have the couch ready to go and, you know, uh, keep the keep the pillows fluffed. Um, Dave, always appreciate talking to you and making me feel good about things as we approach another playoff run, another week of Sixers basketball. Did you and- feel good about anything? This felt like a negative pod. <laughs> No, I, I feel I, I feel good. It's just that I'm just worried. It's the PTSD about seeing the damn Raptors in round one. I'll I'll get there. I just I just need to see game one first before, you know, some of this tension is eased a little bit. I still think the Sixers are going to win the series. Um, is that what do you think? Uh, a, based on the fact that Thibel is not playing any of the games in Toronto. I'm sorry. I think this is going seven. But would you take the Sixers in a home game? I would take. I would. I would take the Sixers in seven because they have the full cast. Okay. Do we have a lineup on it yet? Is it, are they favored in game one? I can. I can check. I mean, it's possible. Like the Sixers are at home, so it would shock me if they weren't the favorite. They're Even favored at, to win the series. Yep. They are favored to win the series. All right. Cool. DraftKings has a minus one eighty five as a series winner. That makes so that, sense. That's reassuring. I'm okay with that. Uh, Sixers in six. Let's four see. and a half. Four and a half point favorites for game one. This is excellent news to me. the The two most the the two best odds are Sixers win in five and Sixers win in seven. That's kind of where my head is. It's it's either going to be real short. or It's going to be real long. My guess is Sixers and seven. I uh, wouldn't sh- surprise me at all if it was like Toronto in six, which would be extremely, incredibly painful for me. But always Canada, huh? At the yeah, it's always, always blame Canada every damn time. Uh, but on the flip side, maybe this means that that Doc gets shipped off to the Lakers because apparently Bill Blaschke wants him. Apparently that's a apparently they think that's a good idea. So go ahead, you guys can have him. Take him, take him off our hands. Dave, uh, always good talking to you. Uh, what do you have coming up the coming down the pipe this week? Uh, social media wise, uh, column wise, every anything you're doing. What are you up to? Uh, so I'm on Twitter at David Early. D-A-V-I-D-E-A-R-L-Y. I just, I just retweeted a Liberty Ballers request for mailbag. So if you could find that on Liberty Ballers timeline or my own, 
um, send us a question and we will, we will feature it in an upcoming article or podcast or both. Uh, I write for Liberty Ballers and I also cover the Brooklyn Nets for Clutch Points. So you can follow my work on Sixers and Nets, get the latest on Atlantic Division rivals. And later on this week on Liberty Ballers, you'll find my annual, the annual uh, Eastern Conference uh, threat matchups to the Sixers in yes. 240 characters or less. Yes. I do it every year, and it's amazing because it because it forces me to be very short, very sweet with my decision making. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be coming out this week. So everybody look for that. But. Uh, Sixers game one of the uh, first the the, play, the first playoff series that is Thursday, right? I believe so. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Saturday. Saturday. Right? Saturday I'm sorry. So first game one of the playoff run is on Saturday. Sixers Raptors. Uh, hopefully this turns out a lot better than the last time we played the damn Raptors. That would be nice, but we'll find out. And until then, Liberty Ballers, we all have you covered. LibertyBallers.com, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, where you can find a whole host of Vox Media Podcasts. We will see you next time on the Outside Podcast. And take care, Dave. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks.